We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I concur, and I have one question for you, Jesse. Yes? Are you ready for rapid fire? I've been ready for rapid fire the last week, but you've been in Paris, so. <laughs> so are you saying that Vince's rapid fire was no bueno? It was like no fire? It wasn't fire? as rapid as your fire. <laughs> I just, I've got to say this. I've got to say this. If Vince happens to be listening at some point, Okay. Because, again, I was listening to The Monday Show. The Monday Show came two days after the Clemson game. And I'm listening to Vince. Vince, how the hell do you get up Monday morning and not know what you're going to talk about? Two days after the Clemson game. Tell me that, Vince. How do you not know? How do you struggle to find topics Monday morning, two days after Notre Dame loses to Clemson? Very controversial loss. Come on, man. <laughs> All right, that's off my chest. Jesse, question to you. We've asked like different forms of this question in different ways. Sam Hartman has 18 touchdown passes right now. I'm not gonna tell, I'm not gonna go over under. I'm just gonna ask you straight up, predict what will his touchdown total be for the season after the Stanford game? Uh, you said he's got 18 right now, I believe. 18 right now. He's had 18 for three weeks at this point. I think his final number is 23 at the end of the regular season. I think he gets three against one of them and two against the other. Just don't know who that three and two is against. Stymie and John, we're all on the same wavelength. Going two a game. Michael Hahn, 22. I'm going 22 as well. He has zero touchdowns and four interceptions over the last two games. And you go back the last five, four touchdowns, seven interceptions. It's like, where have the touchdowns gone? He had 14 touchdown passes and no interceptions in the first five games. The first five games, by the way, include what? Um, Navy. Uh... Ohio State is the answer. It includes Ohio State. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> yeah, you didn't have to rattle off like every game that they played over the first five. I'm just saying, <laughs> yes, thank you, Michael. Michael knew what I was pointing at. It included the Ohio State game. 14 touchdown passes, no interceptions through those first five, including Ohio State, and it's four and seven over the last five. It is nuts to me. I thought I was going to cruise to my bets, and I think I'm going to lose all of them. I know. Remember, the Vegas over-under was 26 and a half at the start of the season, and we thought that that was just insanely low. And look It should be insanely slow. It should be. We won't get into that conversation again. Yep, I'm 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 going to go with 22, and I think that he's going to have some kind of revival against his old team here next week. Uh, I guess a week from Saturday um, at Stanford. Well, I'll tell you what, save that because we're gonna we're gonna talk about those two games here in just a second. But 22 is my number. I think he's going to have 22 at the end of the regular season. Still stuck on 18 right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Jesse, what do you think about this comment from Marcus Freeman from after the Clemson game? Quote, the pick six kind of spooks you. It spooks you. It spooks the quarterback a little bit. Makes you say, okay, let's go back to the run game a little bit. What do you think of that? Um, I think of like three, four different things. Uh, when I when I heard that comment, I'll, I'll start with the first one. I think it was one of the first – because he talked about the the pick six and the muff punt. 
Um, I think it was the first time I've really saw uh, Marcus Freeman kind of not make an excuse, but you know, kind of right. Like it, it was, he, it has never been, it's always been the execution thing and it's never been, you know, the excuse of things. And so when he, when he said that, I was a little taken aback. And then the next part that really caught me off guard is throwing that pick six came at some well, point. We in the just lost game. Jesse there. Are you back? Okay. You're back. Je well, nope, he is not. I thought he was back and, now he is gone. Jesse started chopping, and then my little wheel started spinning. So hopefully, hopefully we are all still here together. You, are are you with me, Jess? You you started Funny. chopping there in the middle. So maybe just start your thought from the beginning. Where so we're, what do you think? Yeah, I think that the the first thing that it shows is that Marcus Truman kind of made excuses or, or deflections for the first time that I've really seen. I think it shows a lack of confidence in your six-year confidence in your six-year quarterback, which is very alarming. Um, and if it if it spooks you into running the ball, that 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 pick six came, you know, midway second quarter. I think at the at the latest or the earliest, I can't remember. And so, but you didn't run the ball very much after that. And so, how do you make that sort of statement and say it spooks you? It spooks you. You might think about running the ball, but then you don't do anything to run the ball after you already ran the ball pretty successfully to start the game. And so. There was a lot of contradictory in there as well for me. I find it baffling that we're, you know, again, like this was game 10 of the season. And the fact that that is something that was said after game 10 with a quarterback who's the most experienced quarterback in the, like think, most experienced quarterback in the country coming into this season with, with all that this guy had under his belt and just what he looks like right now. And like the fact that, that you can make that statement and say, well, it spooks you like, look, Peyton Manning threw pick sixes. Tom Brady has thrown pick sixes. <laughs> I was listening Good to the Manning cast on Monday night. Peyton Manning threw 28 interception in his first year in the NFL. Yeah. Like it happens. And You've just got to say, look, you're our guy. We're going back to it. I don't care what just happened. Like to say that that would spook you into to, to altering your game plan like that, that just, it baffles me because this is not Drew Pine we're talking about. And to me, they handled it, it with, with kid gloves. If that's really, you know, kind of, if it really spooked him that much, they handled it, they handled it and tried to protect him. You know, like, like more like he was Drew Pine than he was Sam Hartman. And unfortunately, when you, again, like go back to what we were talking about with the offense earlier, when you look at this offense, unfortunately, you can't tell the diff, you can't tell much difference. And the numbers are actually far worse under Sam Hartman right now than they were a year ago with Drew Pine at the helm. Those four touchdowns and seven interceptions over the last five games. Drew Pine didn't have a five-game stretch like that last year. So it's baffling to me that that's the mindset that you would have. And again, I like to say, well, you think about running it a little bit. Well, that's not what you showed in the second half because Audrick Estime only toted that thing three times in the second so half. So what about this? I just kind of maybe thought about it in a new perspective. Do you think that Marcus Streeman led with that knowing – that Sam Hartman didn't have his best game in the second half and that the pick six is what led him to maybe some of those spooky throws or those, those 
you know, because he had some off throws in the second half. And so was that yeah. him getting out of it early and saying, hey, you know, before you get into Sam Hartman's play in the second half, just know that that interception in the first half spooked him. And so that's probably what led to his inaccurate throws in the second half. I'm just thinking a different perspective. But now that I think about it more, I think that's another possibility of why he led with that. Yeah. This is a great comment by John B. He says he shouldn't get spooked with his experience. It's an occupational hazard as a quarterback. Marcus Freeman always banging about one play, one life, et cetera. Practice what you yeah. preach. And that's next play. Why are we worrying about a, yeah. an interception yeah. for, that's spooking us? And Josh says, wonder if he, you know, meant deflating. Well, I think to an extent that it was deflating, but at the same time, you know, like it's that tail end of the comment that Marcus Freeman said. It's like, you know, it, to me, it 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 was less about being deflating and more just about, oh my gosh, he just threw a pick six. Now we've got to protect him and, you know, we can't take chances. We're on the road and we're in this game. And, you know, so again, it just, it did not, it, it does not sound like a, a it, it, and it wasn't a statement of confidence no. in the quarterback in the way that That's you the handled. biggest takeaway. Yeah, unfortunately. Fill in the blank. You feel blank about Notre Dame's next two games against Wake Forest and Stanford. Um, I feel not really excited about Notre Dame's next two games against Wake Forest and Stanford because they blew opportunities to be in the playoffs. They blew opportunities to be the New Year's Six. And now with all of this, this, this just disaster of offensive cocktail that's happening, I just kind of want it to be done with. I don't want to see this <laughs> offense struggle anymore. I don't want to see, you know, I don't want potentially Notre Dame to lose another game because I I think that brings up questions about Marcus Freeman. And I don't think that he's, I don't think it's time for any of that yet. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's, if, if Marcus Freeman loses another game, sure. I don't think he really got better, but I don't think that's a fireable offense. And after two seasons, and I think that'll lead to a lot of, you know, that those sort of discussions. And so I'm just really, I'm really sad about, you know, what, what has now transpired and what these last two games kind of mean to everyone, but it's just not as meaningful, obviously, after the loss to Clemson. And I think, I think really there's no winning at this point. Even if you win these games, there's going to be something that people are going to be upset about. I'm much more uneasy about them than I ever would have thought that I would be. I would just and hope that they would be more experimental at this phase. What do you have to lose ultimately? You want them to be experimental? Just break out of some tendencies on offense. Be more experimental on offense. Oh, that I agree trying, with. Trying that new things, with. trying new for trying new looks out of maybe some formations that you've showed. You have two weeks, you know, another bye week. You have two weeks to just take in some of this feedback and really try to get a, you know, I'm not saying go crazy, but just show that you tried show that you're listening to what people are saying. John says he's very confident and there's no way Notre Dame loses to wake forest or Stanford. I agree with what Tim did. I put that comment up there from Tim Stanford just scares the heck out of me right now. Like I think that wake forest because it's a home game and you know it might they might not start fast. I don't know. I think Notre Dame's defense will just own Wake Forest. The question is going to be the offense. And you are talking about a really smart coaching staff at Wake Forest 
who does know Sam Hartman and his own tendencies very well, coupled with the fact that you have some other troubling, you know, tendencies and stuff like that, that he has shown this season. So I, I just, I, I don't know. <laughs> like I said, I, I'm a lot more uneasy about it. And the Stanford game, I've really been scared of Stanford really since that comeback against Colorado. And now granted Notre Dame's as much as Notre Dame's offensive line has struggled at times, their offensive line is still far better than Colorado's and their defense is in a, you know, completely different league than Colorado's, but still the fact that Stanford could come back <laughs> and win that game at Colorado. And then like, look at their last couple of games. Like they scored points on Washington. They scored 33 points on Washington and that was a home game. And then they played a defensive game and beat Washington state 10 to seven last week. So that coupled with what happened last year at Notre Dame Stadium against Stanford, I just, that game scares the heck out of me right now. The fact that the way they, the way Notre Dame has played on the road these last few games, yes, they, you know, they've been against better teams than Stanford, but it's just, it's, it's, it's scary going on the road to close the season in a game that's probably not going to be very well attended what the atmosphere is going to be like there is going to be really weird it just i don't know i have no idea what to expect in that game so i'm i'm very uneasy about both these games ryan or brian rather threw this question in earlier thoughts on penn state playing michigan at noon instead of a night game in happy valley remember the big 10 doesn't like these night games in November. They're complaining about it with the NBC contract and all this stuff. And of course they've got the contract with Fox. So it's a big noon kickoff and all their premier games involving Michigan, Ohio state and Penn state are noon kickoffs. So I don't have a problem with it and I'll at least get to watch some of it before I fly to New Jersey this weekend. Um, I wish, you know, I I wish that the Big Ten would put its premier games uh, in the evening time. I just think it makes it more exciting, more watchable. Um, But I understand why they do it um, at noon. You know, they they like, like you said, they like to put their premier games there. It's what they believe is going to get the best ratings because it has its undivided, you know, the nation's undivided, (laughs) excuse me, attention. And so it just makes logistical sense for the Big Ten. And it's not ever really. You know, I, I, I paid for a mute button. For you. <laughs> paid for a mute button. i couldn't get it quite in time i couldn't as i was turning i couldn't see the mute button so i just kind of you know i just had to let it go bill asks about playing the two young quarterbacks and this is no. still let me let me ask you this <laughs> should we just I, I know you guys did a little bit about it the other day you ended up talking about a lot of other stuff before like should we just dedicate a whole show to tomorrow, to sort of this theme? What should happen with the quarterbacks? You want to do yeah, that? Yeah, I think I think you can do what should happen to end the season and what should happen going forward. I think you could lump it all into what does Notre Dame do at quarterback starting now? Yes. So good question, Bill. It's It's something that obviously I haven't got a chance to talk about. Yet. So rather than kind of pin it here as a uh, as one of multiple topics at the end of rapid fire, I think we'll 
We'll get into that big picture, not just with the quarterback, but how they should approach the overall against Wake Forest and Stanford at some different positions in terms of how they need to play this the next couple games. You want to just do that tomorrow? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Okay. It is the bye week. (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) Okay, so Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, and Florida State are the top four teams in the second college football playoff rankings that just came out. Scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you those four teams will be the playoff teams when it's all said and done? Uh, 10 being extremely confident, 1 being non-confident at all. I would give this a solid 3 out of 10. I think that um, Ohio State will be in the Final Four. I think Florida State will be in the Final Four. I don't think Michigan will be in the Final Four, and I don't think Georgia will be in the Final Four. I think you'll get Washington um, in there potentially, and I do. And then if Georgia loses, it'll probably be at the hands of Alabama, and so I think Alabama sneaks in as your SEC team. So from the SEC, I think it goes Bama, Big Ten, Ohio State, Pac-12, Washington, ACC, Florida State. That's my Final Four. It is crazy how everyone just wrote off Alabama after that loss to Texas with all the stuff they were going through at quarterback. And, and I mean, let's let's face it, the quarterback situation looked pretty abysmal. But here they are lurking. Figured it out. <laughs> That's right. And they are sitting there at number eight right now. And I agree with you. I think that Alabama is probably going to find themselves – Right back One in lost there. ACC SEC championship, yeah. and the committee loves that. They're going to work their way in. Florida State, and what that looks like, can Florida State, they're going to run the table, I think, in the regular season. That Florida game lurking here. They got Florida and Miami here coming up, and I think they're better than both teams, but they are rivalry games, two out of their last three, and then they're probably going to get Louisville in the ACC championship game. So I don't you, think the ACC championship will have any weight on whether or not they get in or out. I think that's just an extra game for them. I don't think it'll be really. Them. You think they yeah. can lose that and still make it in? Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm with you though. I'm, I'm, I'm like a four. I, I don't think that it's probably going to be them. I think Alabama, as you said, is working their way back in there. And I really like Washington as well. I, I think that uh, I think that Washington is going to get back in there as well. I think it's going to be different, though. I, I think Michigan's going to beat Ohio State. You seem to think maybe maybe you've lived in Ohio too long. You you <laughs> seem to be on the uh, the Buckeye train that the Buckeyes are going to beat Michigan. Is that what you're saying? I am. I, I do think that Ohio State wins this. But the season. question there is, they're probably going to play in back-to-back weeks, which we talked about at the beginning of the season. Can that? Can whoever wins the regular season game win two weeks in a row, Big Ten right. championship game? That that'll be kind of the X factor there. And if they split, what does that mean? Do they both still get in? It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Fill in the blank. It's blank that Notre Dame freshman point guards Marcus Burton and Hannah Hidalgo both scored the most points ever for an Irish freshman in their debut games. Monday. It's electric for both programs. Uh, future. It, it's electric for both the future of both, both basketball programs. I was trying to find the best way to put that in there. And I think, you know, it's more so exciting for the men's because of just you didn't know what the roster was going to look like. You didn't know who the guy was going to be. But if you had to pick what would be best, I would say it'd be best for a freshman, right? Because that means they have the they have the the longest potential amount of time of probably being at Notre Dame, it, you know. In and so I, I think that that only leads to to more kind of growth going forward. I I'm not as excited about the Hidalgo. It's exciting, but I'm not as excited because Notre Dame has the women have probably the best combination of guards in the country when everyone's healthy. And so I don't think Hidalgo's performance is reflective to what you'll see the entire season. I think with Citron still being out, those numbers are a bit inflated. I don't think she'll see as much usage with Son- Sonia Citron coming back. So while it was exciting, I just think that, again, you when you have Olivia that three-header. Sorry, that's what I meant. Olivia Miles, thank you. Um, again, I get them all confused. It's like the three-headed monster at guard right now for them. Um, but, yeah, when Olivia Miles comes back, I think that there will be, again, a different usage between those three. All three of them will play, but Hidalgo is going to see a reduction once Olivia Miles is back. There's an interesting question here that I'll get to in just a second about K.K. Bransford that someone asked earlier. I think when I look at this, it kind of reminds me of it's been 20-plus years at this point when Chris Thomas and Jackie Batiste were both freshmen the same year. Chris Thomas walked in and, you know, had a triple double in his first career game for Notre Dame. And both of them, Batiste and Thomas, I believe they were both big East rookies of the year, the same year. And they were both freshmen, all American that same year as well. There's, there's like a little bit of that. I mean, you're right. Like from the women's standpoint, there's always going to be, it's, you know, like Hidalgo walks into a situation where obviously that, you know, there, there's a base set and there's a lot around her as well. But to walk in the door and have that kind of game, even though you lose a, you know, it was, it ended up being an uglier game than anyone wanted to see, especially in the second half. But to do it against that level of competition right away, I think really speaks well for her. But at the same time, like you were saying, for, for Marcus Burton and for Micah Shrewsbury, I think it is just a, a great sign of things to come because, like, you know, Marcus Burton was, a little bit, I don't want to say overlooked, but he was, you know, he was the only guy who committed to Mike Bray and who stayed on and is still at Notre Dame. And here he is. He comes in the door and he, he has that kind of performance right out of the gate. So I, I just think it's great for Micah Shrewsbury. I think it's Mark, great for Marcus Burton 
and the entire program. And I think Stymie or somebody was saying earlier just about the way that team plays. And I think that that is going to play for the long haul as well. You know, the way they play hard for 40 minutes, they're, uh, they're, they're uh, interested in playing defense. And I think that that's going to be a big difference that like basketball fans have been missing watching this program over the years, that there's more than just the offensive side of the floor. Defense matters as well. Keith was asking, do they miss Kate? Do the women miss KK Bransford? She had a knack for making important timely shots. And not just, I, I think it's less the offense. There's a lot of glue with KK Bransford that I think that they're missing. You know, both, you know, the athleticism, the speed, you know, just the flow of the offense, those kind of things, the defense, really good defensive player. So, yeah, you know, to answer your question, I do think they miss KK Bransford. Even though they have a lot of other bodies out there right now, she was very important down the stretch last year after Olivia Miles was injured, and I do think that they miss her, and uh, they'll be uh, they'll be glad to get her back here, hopefully within the next week or two. She's had you know like some lower leg kind of stuff going on. She wasn't in uniform for the opener the other night or for the exhibition game before that as well. Oh, Tom. Tom is mad about the basketball talk and probably mad about the women's basketball talk. <laughs> Sorry, we're talking about ranked teams. <laughs> In Paris. Sorry, we're talking about things other than football. <laughs> um, would you say this was my biggest observation with the women's game? Just I, I know that obviously you were there and you see it all. And I just see, you know, I, I saw mainly box score and that kind of stuff. But uh-huh. to me, it felt like Notre Dame played a tremendous first got really behind in the second. I think it was like an 18-point swing in the second. Like Notre Dame scored only like eight, and I think uh, they were like 24 to eight, I think is what it was. I just felt like at that point, the the like the, the final score was the final score, obviously, but I felt like that they dug that hole really early in the second, and there was just no way of kind of coming out of it once the, once the game kind of progressed, you know? And yeah, I, and I was- don't – I guess what I'm saying is I don't think that they played bad except for one quarter and and it just really proved to be detrimental. Yeah. South Carolina swung it in the second because like the first quarter, it's looking like, okay, Notre Dame is not just playing with them. Like this is, this could be a really good game from start to finish, but unfortunately that only lasted for 10 minutes. Just between the fact that Carmilla Cardozo, South Carolina's big, she was the SEC sixth woman of the light of the year last year. She blocked 70 shots last year coming off the bench. Oof. 70 shots she blocked coming off the bench behind Aaliyah Boston, who ended up being the number one overall pick in the WNBA draft. She was only three blocks behind her, and she had like 20 points. I think it was it was 14 or 15 rebounds, and she blocked four shots, even though it seemed like she blocked twice as many just between her presence in the pace and all the athleticism like South Carolina came into the season feeling like this was probably the best group of guards that Don Staley has ever had and that's obviously saying something when you're talking about a program that's won a pair of national championships in the last six years so I think that their athleticism was just off the charts and for whatever reason again like how much a player like KK Bransford played into this how much maybe having a point guard who, you know, like 31 points is 31 points, and that's great, but it didn't feel like there was a lot of sync, you know, across the offense 
in that game for Notre Dame. And you're right. They obviously just couldn't dig out of the, out of the hole after that. Now they've got some games coming up where they're going to be able to figure some things out that are going to be a lot, a lot easier to figure out than when you're playing against a program like South Carolina, really it's going to build up to, you're going to play a couple ranked teams. They're going to play Illinois here in a couple of weeks in Washington, DC in that Shamrock classic. And they're going to play Tennessee at the end of the month down in Knoxville. So those are going to be kind of some litmus for where, you know, where you've come after South yes. Carolina. I, I, I see that Henry and Scooby are getting worked up about this whole thing. Yeah, I just have a, a buddy coming over this evening, and I think he's here, so I'm telling him to feed the dog treats, and they'll like him. Yeah, um, Bryce is just joining in, and he's asking about the Parker – demotion and and again i don't know if this came from the twitter rumor that started Sorry, could you say that again? <laughs> um but based on everything that we're that we're hearing at irish breakdown it's all a load of bs there's nothing that's going to happen there's nothing happening here you know before wake forest or probably before the season is going to end it's all based on you know, all the sources that Irish Breakdown is talking to, it's all a bunch of BS that was, you know, started by someone who doesn't actually have sources of his own, but uses other people's information to, you know, to try to make it sound like he has sources. All right, Jess, I think that that's going to do it for tonight. We'll we be back tomorrow. And we'll, uh, you know, like I said, we'll we'll uh, we'll, we'll kind of get into what direction Notre Dame needs to be looking these last couple of games against Wake Forest and Stanford, and you know, and then the bowl game I think is its own separate situation. But well, you know, we'll kind of we'll 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 talk about whether it's quarterback or linebacker or whatever other position that it happens to be. We will uh, we'll talk about that. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Glad glad to have you back today. All right. Glad to be back. Glad to be with you here today. I'm glad the dogs are settled down. <laughs> All right. We'll wrap it up with that, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Hit the like button, and, of course, subscribe, rate, and review. We've got more Notre Dame football talk coming up on Thursday show on IB Nation Sports Talk.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.